The world's most popular QPR podcast, that's us, will be holding its traditional end-of-season party in front of a live audience on May the 5th at the good ship Kilburn. The first two names confirmed are fans' favourite Lee Cook and QPR CEO Lee Hoos, meaning we can amuse ourselves by calling the evening Cook Who's Talking. Please join us. Tickets are a tenner and can be purchased via qprpod.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Open All Ours. I'm David Fraser. Uh, welcome to the QPR podcast. I'm joined by three other QPR fans this evening. Um, we have with us ITV Sports' Chris Mendes. Hello. We have Neil DeJothan. Hey, how's it going? And we don't have Paul Finney. We have a man who didn't expect to have a mic put in front of him, but we've just done it. And welcome to the podcast. First time on Richard... What's your last name? Fraser. Richard Fraser. That's right, he is my brother, who wasn't expecting to be on, uh, but we said why not, and we forced him into it. So explain what you're going to be bringing to the podcast this evening. Okay, um, (laughs) right, before we go on, and we have what we hope will be a really interesting and insightful interview with a complete, uh, genuine QPR legend this evening, um, Jerry Francis. Uh, we'll talk to him in a few minutes. Before we do that, uh, let me tell you how you can listen to the podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at QPR Pod. Uh, you can search for us on Facebook, the QPR Podcast, uh, and you can hear all our old episodes at qprpod.co.uk. Right. Saturday, last minute win. What a pleasure to win in the last minute rather than lose in the last minute. Neil, you usually have copious notes whenever you come on the podcast, so why don't you start us off? Yeah, um, <laughs> I thought we did okay. Um, it wasn't the greatest game in the world, but at this point in the season, you, you have to expect that when you're in a dead rubber situation, you're looking at different things to experiment with. And we did a lot of that with some of the young players. Robinson came in, Kepekwa came on. Um, we didn't have Mackie, we didn't have Fallen, so we got to see some different combinations in there. So all in all, we did all right, and we had to survive a a really tricky period of the game when Charlton were throwing everything at us and that experience for the younger players is, is going to bode them well in the future and I think the staff would have learnt a lot from that even if it wasn't the, the most attractive game on the eye and even if some players didn't play as well as we would have liked them to. Um, we've come away with a win. There's plenty of times we've played better or even worse and lost so mm. it's good to see them win and what, win with a fine goal. You said the, the staff end. will have learnt something. What did you learn? Um... It's more about learning. It's more about the when I say learning, I mean the the, the younger players. What yep. they can what they oh, can I do see. in those those scenarios. So, you know, a lot of people look at Kopecka's thirty minutes and think, you know, oh maybe he's not not ready. But he got a thirty minutes in a really difficult period of the match that he mm. survived in a makeshift defence where they had to move Anua out to the to the right. I think they probably would have wanted to bring him on for Robinson. It's his first game back uh, after a long injury. Um, and they probably wanted to use him in that scenario. So that they got thrown in at the deep end and survived says a lot, really. It gives mm. them a platform to build on and something to something to work with and move forward with. Chris, um, did you know that Saturday, uh, the three points that we gained on Saturday meant that we were safe from relegation? 
Did you know that? I didn't, but... Um, Which, you know, 9th of April, start of April, actually being safe from the drop is progress for QPR, what isn't it? season. <laughs> and then, to be honest with you, I mean, at, at one stage in the season when we were um, just losing games on the spin, we were, it did look like staying up would be, uh, would be our number one priority, like, you know, and it would be, we'd be closer to the bottom than the top come the end of the season. And we may still be, but it was nice to... Um, and kind of ironic after speaking to uh, Bardsley... In last week's pod, to mm-hmm. see a uh, genuine fullback make Actual his debut, make his yeah, debut for QPR after being out for so long, and uh, I think he, he struggled towards the end with cramp, but all the signs are positive. What? What? Um, five games left? No, six games left. Six, I think six. Yeah. Six games left. What would you like to see? Uh, just a continuation of of what we're currently doing. I think it's more about experimenting a little bit by but still being respectful to the competition. And I thought we got that on Saturday. You know, Charlton are fighting for their lives. You can't just expect a, a bunch of kids to be thrown in or inexperienced players to be thrown in. It's got to be right for us, and it's got to be to progress our players and, and get them hitting the ground running in pre-season. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that and just find out a few more, few more answers to some questions. Um, there are some players in the team that I probably wouldn't have in there who are mm. currently in there, um, who... Probably toilet. There yeah. you go. Probably yeah. clearly not going to be here next season, and, and probably don't. We don't deserve to be helping. But um, you can't throw a, a whole set of new players in. So I think we're doing it in the right manner. And as long as we continue in that fashion, then I think that's all good. And I think, um, from what I can tell, the last couple of games, particularly at home, have been much more palatable. You know, the fans seem to be staying with the team. They were they were under the cosh a little bit on Saturday, but there wasn't really many groans. Mm. And uh, I think that's important and bodes well going forward. Okay, so if we're talking about experimentation between now and the end of the season, which I think is a reasonable thing to talk about and to ask for, let's, um, let's go around the table. How would you like to see Jimmy experimenting with the team between now and the end of the season? Uh, I'll start. I'll start. I th- there's two ways, two things, actually. First of all, I think Smithies has done a fantastic job and has cemented himself um, as our number one goalie. But I'd, I'd, I would almost pay him this in a complimentary way. We've seen how good he is to the extent that I wouldn't actually mind seeing Ingram in a couple of games now, just to see how he is. With Kind of almost with the understanding that Smithies is the number one because he's... He, inherited quite a sort of well I don't know if inherited a difficult situation is the right way to put it but it wouldn't have it wasn't easy for him to come in with everything that was going on with Green and he's done a bloody good job so I would actually like to almost now see what Ingram can do and and sort of reward him for his patience the second thing and I don't think it makes sense to not do this now um is to give Washington a fair run I'd quite like to see that uh, I have I pinched saying. yours yeah, well you've no. got a couple of minutes to think <laughs> um yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Um, Poulter's done really, really well. Um, let's now see how the other attacking options can stack up. Washington, um, he hasn't scored yet, but then he hasn't been given a proper run out. He's come under a, kind of a, under a bit of a microscope, given the sort of fee and the expectation and the guy that he replaced. We've got five, six games now. Let's give him a run. That's, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, now that we're safe, I think um, we don't all know who the players are that won't be there next season but Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank must have a pretty good idea there must be at least four or five players that he knows that won't be there um, so if, if they aren't going to be there then I don't see the point in playing them at the moment and now that we're safe it'll be good to see him experiment a little bit with different formations maybe play three at the back with wing backs 
Um, uh, El Kiyati scored another brilliant winner at the weekend. One, you know, maybe give him a bit more time. And Washington as well, like you said, that'd be that'd be great to see him and a couple of youngsters maybe. Mm. And Rob Gein again um, this evening. He was like, whining on Radio Five today, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. In the last half an hour, just something popped up on the feed. Him just saying, you know, it's purely financial why I'm not playing. But if well, it's purely if financial at, why you didn't cancel your clause in your contract, isn't it? He's right. He's right. But um, but he can't argue that Smithies has has been playing better than he was, for, uh, uh, you know, before he um, he got dropped. He's winning us points at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, I thought he was. A lot of people would have given the the man of the match to Robinson. I think he won it formally, but I think really. Smithies' form has been a real highlight for us. But I would agree. I think Ingram needs a couple of games. Um, I think it's about answering the questions going into pre-season. You want these players that we've got on board that we still have question marks about, whether it's Robinson, Capecua, Gladwin, or whoever, Washington. They need to have those those questions answered when they go into pre-season mm. and they bring new players in that they're not, they don't have such a huge amount of them that you're, you're still wondering about. So the rest of the season should be about finding out some of those answers and, and seeing how to fit some of those players in. You know, it, the goal for El Coati is a is a big thing in the great scheme of things. It helps him settle down. He's like he feels like he's making a real mark in in the side with that winner. Um, and it's those little experiences that you're trying to find now for the rest of the players who haven't had as much opportunity um, to to stamp their mark on the side. So that's what I'd like to see. Um, mm. It doesn't have to be all of them at once, maybe in twos or threes, but I think that will then give us a good grounding and a good foundation in the summer um, for any new arrivals who have to go through the same process. Mm. Rich? Um, well, I think Washington's you know, one who needs to get in the side. He needs to get that goal. Yeah. I think we also need to maybe find out what our best centre-back pairing is. Um, when Hill was in the side, he made a big difference. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so on, let's talk about centre-backs and changes in the summer. Neil, you just talked about players that bring in. Who, where, where do you think we need to strengthen for the summer? Well, centre-back looks like a key area. Um, and I wouldn't have said that in the beginning of the He's season, He's only to be fair. 47, though, Clint Hill. <laughs> yeah. I He's still got three years left in him. I like the idea that we want to play the ball out the back, um, but there isn't a huge amount of time and patience for that. And given the nature of the championship, when Hill came in for the couple of games recently, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, he kicked and headed everything. He, you can just see he gave the confidence. He used that experience really well. So if they can find a player in his mould, I think it will help the side. Someone who can lead as well a little bit more on the pitch in terms of organising the play, uh, particularly if they lose some of the players. You know, A lot of people will be critical of Henry, and he may well go, but he's one of the players who's a little bit more vocal on the pitch in organising. And, and if they lose those players who, who have the nous and the experience to organise, they're going to have some holes to fill because mm. they're still a young team. So, And they're still a young team that's growing, and they're still a young team that occasionally has got the fans on their back if the performance isn't going as well as it should be. Um, and you know Phillips is a great example of that. He's quite an experienced player, but he's he's low on confidence at the moment. The crowd are on him, and there's no one really around him trying to give him a pat on the back. And that may be rightly or wrongly, to be honest. But I think he's just a player out of confidence and out of form, rather than a player who's not caring as much about yeah. whether he's here or not. And some people have a different view on that, but. Those are the things that we need to solve and find out. I think centre-backs, you know, like you say, will be a key issue and the defence as a whole in the summer. Um, but I think central midfield will be interesting as well. I mean, Forlin's been really good since he's come back. But 
as much as I hate to say it, we have missed someone like Barton, having him in the middle. Um, Carl Henry, he's done kind of what we expected him to do when we mm. signed him, but he won't go on forever. Um, it'd be interesting. He's, he's not old, Carl, Carl Henry. Henry. Was he 32? 32, 33, somewhere around there. Yeah, That's I mean, pretty you know, old. Yeah, he's getting there <laughs> for a footballer. <laughs> Come on. But it'd be interesting to see um, ages ago, maybe about a year and a half ago, Frankie Sutherland, a good, really good young player, was on loan at Leighton Orient, got injured in the FA Cup, and he, he was the best player on the pitch before that happened. Um, since then, since he's come back from injury, he's gone out to Crawley, which was until the end of March, and that's just been expen- extended because he's done really well. He's only 22, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets a chance in pre-season and if Jimmy fancies him because he's really highly rated. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you think about it, I don't remember... We now have six games to experiment and throw some of these young players in in, in real conditions. I actually do not remember the last season where we've had the luxury of doing that. When was the last season where we had nothing to Pro- play for? Well, probably Neil Warnock left. did yeah. a little bit at the end of his 2010. first... 2010, yeah. Like yeah. He's thrown Antino, uh, Jermaine up front and maybe one or two others. Um, but that's five yeah, years ago. Up or down, down, six years yeah. ago. Six, six years ago now. So n- these players wouldn't have had that opportunity. So it is a... I know we keep hearing sort of with off the record and with a wink and a nod and all that, that these young players aren't really necessarily good enough and they might not be good enough but now's the time to find out isn't it yeah it's a great opportunity actually because like you say it was rare to get that chance and you know the the biggest thing as well is because we haven't got anything to play for most of the teams we are playing do have something to play for so by throwing in these players now it really will show what kind of character they are how they react against players who are so hungry to win Mm. yeah I mean I still think twos and threes maximum um because you can't really ever find out about them if you throw them all in, all in together because they're liable to struggle and then everyone's going to say they're not ready. You need to see them as, with, as close to the f- first team-ish as possible so that you get a real idea of where they can fit in mm-hmm. and what they can do um, under a normal circumstance. Um, I think there are other positions we need to be careful about. A lot of people are looking at us and thinking who are we going to bring in, which centre-back or which full-back or, or whoever. But we may well lose some players we don't want to lose. Um, you know, I have, I have a feeling that Sherry may not be here next season. It's just a, a gut instinct. Really? Yeah, you know, look, if, you, if you imagine he came over here with a point to prove, um, he, he came to the Championship probably with the, with the dream of playing in the Premier League um, but still having to prove himself on these shores. And I think he's scored a lot of goals and we haven't, gone up so that leaves a question mark in terms of, of where he's at his, at his stage of his career and what he wants to do so you know okay. you have to wonder about those combinations and 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 cover all the bases really it'll be interesting to see how we do because just looking at our fixtures um we've got five games left um two at home three away the two at home are against teams who won't, probably won't have anything to play for reading definitely not last game of the season bristol city they're already 10 points clear of the drop zone so i doubt they'll have to win that but our away games Cardiff going for the playoffs next up then Brighton and Burnley will be really tough mm. so it'll be interesting to see whether he has you know, got the balls to throw in a youngster or two in those games because there because then chance. you get accused exactly. of not being competitive and yeah. disrespecting the competition and all the rest of it okay so every week we talk about whether Clint Hill should get a new contract whether Junior Hoylett should get a new contract who absolutely should not leave QPR in the summer who do you fight to hold on to who have we got out of what are the options? Well, the options are all the players at the club. You know, who who if you have to pick one or two players who you who do not go, who's on that list? 
Luongo for me. I really hope Gladwin doesn't go. Um, he's had a bit of a tough time with us, not really got himself going. So I, I really hope to see him in the last six games. And I thought... Are you not saying Cherry? I am. I would say that, yeah. I'd, I'd say Cherry, but I would understand if he wanted to go. You know, I mean, you have to remember the guy's probably, what, 27, 28 years old? He's probably got his last big shot at, at playing at a high top level. So sometimes you have to respect the wishes of a player. And if he doesn't want to play... Not, I'm not saying that's the case for him at all, but if he doesn't, if he if he throws a strop and says he wants to go and the club don't let him, then you're not going to get the best out of him. Um, I'd like to keep Poulter, definitely. I've really enjoyed his progress this season, um, no matter what some people thought of him. I think he's represented QPR and what we're looking Ooh. for in terms of work ethic and attitude uh, and desire to do well and improve. And I think that that's a symbol of what we want to be um, we want to help players grow and we want them to help us at the same time. So that's what I want to see. But yeah, I mean, on, on Saturday, I saw something in Gladwin that impressed me. Uh, he, got the, he played on the right. He's not really a right-sided player. He's more of a left-sided to central player. He played on the right. He got the ball out on the wing. He had one player in front of him and he tried to beat him. He put in a bit of a tame cross, but he had the confidence and the directness to try and do a trick and take on his man, get the ball in. And just a few minutes before that, Phillips had the ball in exactly the same scenario. And he, the lack of confidence in him, he just turned back. He turned back. He could have ran, and he's, he's got the skills to light up the division. He's got the, the ability. He should be one of the best players week in, week out. Um, but that's why I thought it's more of a confidence thing for Phillips. But you don't want to lose players who are willing to take on players. And I think Gladwin can be a big surprise for us if we keep him happy mm. and content and we give him some game time. I was reading 442 at the beginning of the season and Gladwin was the one to watch. Yeah. They yeah. sponsor Swindon though, don't they? And he came from and Swindon. Came from Swindon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, well, maybe next season. Okay. Um, let's now go to our interview on tonight's podcast, uh, which is Jerry Francis. Jerry, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's always great to hear from you. The first question I wanted to ask is your, well, your old centre forward and, and friend of yours, Les Ferdinand, is director of football at QPR. What, um, what do you make of the job that he's done so far? Uh, well, yeah, I uh, had a telephone call from Les when he actually first had the opportunity and had a chat with him. Um, as you know, I've known him for a long time and um, been good friends. Um, and, you know, he told me uh, what he was looking to try and do and what he was looking to try to achieve, you know, get, um, uh, you know, a different culture to the club a little bit in many ways in terms of uh, getting players that were perhaps a bit more hungrier, maybe going down into lower leagues to do that in, in terms of a little bit different in in terms of what they've done when they've got back into the Premiership, the two times they've been down before, where they've actually sort of, you know, got uh, big players and paid big wages. I think the financial aspect of the club obviously maybe sort of um, um, changed his hand a little bit from that point of view. But really, he wanted to sort of uh, get people that uh, really was hungry and believing in the football club. And obviously, Les having all those years there and knowing what the football club is about. Obviously, from my point of view, I thought it was a very good, um, very, very good position for Les to be in. What sort of what sort of person is he? For those for those of us who don't know him, which which we don't, what what's he like to work with day in day out? Uh, well, I think you know the best way to answer that is when I first went to uh, QPR uh, as manager back in the early nineties, and um, 
I was actually, um, I was obviously at Bristol Rovers before. I was about to try and sign Les, actually, because Les didn't wasn't playing in the first team very often. He'd been out on loan to Brentford. He'd been out to Turkey. Um, but, you know, for me, I saw certain aspects in his game um, that, you know, you could really improve. And I think, I think Les says in his book, actually, that he wrote, the, my first day as manager, I called him in. I, I thought it was on the training ground, but I think Les says it was in my office and says that, you know, for me, Les, you know, I tried to sign you a little while ago on a special way. I said, I think you could play for England. And he started laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? He said, um... Well, said, I can't even get in the first team. You know, I've been out on loan. I said, yeah, no, I said, but it's about really about someone believing in you, but more importantly, you believing in yourself and having that confidence in yourself. And obviously, uh, you know, I took over from Don Howe. I think they'd been fifth from bottom the year before QPR. And, and um, once I got Les into the side and scoring goals and believing in himself, obviously the difference um, to the QPR team in terms of those couple of seasons was obviously being top London club, fifth in the Premier League. And his his goals, twenty thirty goals were were everything from 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 a side point of view in terms of that makes a difference of being in the top six or you know in some cases being relegated. So I think that what he's learned over that period of time is is that you've got to have real faith in yourself and real confidence in yourself. And uh, you know Les has gone on to play for Newcastle, a fantastic England career, um, go back to Tottenham, and um, you know I think he's become a much more confident person in in his his whole aspect of his life and um, you, know, you can see that in the way he's taken to this job I think Jerry you mentioned the 92-93 team there and, and that era which was which is certainly our most successful team in in the last um, 25 years for sure um, if not longer it seems Les is almost trying to recreate that the, the, that football but also the culture within the club of picking up young hungry players from lower league like you did the likes of David Bardsley and Andy Sinton, and and I know he was at the club, but even Les himself. What yeah. ingredients goes into a team like that, and and what really was the secret of your success in that period? Well, I think it's it's it's, it's a number of things, really. I mean, you know, as I say, I took over a team that was fifth from bottom the year before, and uh, were nearly relegated. So, um, it, you know, it wasn't like you know we had a a team that was doing really well there. You had to sort of the coaching aspect of knowing what it takes to uh, do certain things in the Premier League is very important. I mean, I've now in, or well, next year I'll be in my 16th year in the Premier League. You know, it's a pretty long time. Um, and, uh, you know, I've looked at both avenues in terms of, you know, trying to get into the top six in that avenue and also going to teams bottom of the table, Crystal Palace, West Bromwich Albion, and keeping them up. So I think you know, the know-how and the ability to coach players is vitally important. I mean, when you look at the QPR team there, you know, we did sell Paul Parker, we sold Darren Peacock, Andy Sinton, Roy Wegerly, so we were still a selling team, but I think it was about, you know, I sold Andy Sinton to Sheffield Wednesday for two and a half million or whatever it was, but I managed to go and get Trevor Sinclair for £600,000, you know, you can't always do that, but it's a, it's really about planning, really, and, and, and looking always to the future and being able to sustain, you know, your... your um, abilities on the field because at the end of the day that's what it's all about and I think the whole uh, club then forms into place it's you've got to get that right on the field as well as around the club to make the club successful um you know even for me with QPR the last two times they've been up and the players they had the last two times they've been up for me I felt they still had enough to stay in the Premier League you know from from my point of view looking from the outside it wasn't to be but um you've really got to um 
be planning all round as a, as a club. It, it does, just doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to be looking and planning forward. Jerry, uh, this season was always going to be one of uh, consolidation after going down in the Premier League and one of the main targets was just to avoid, you know, bouncing all the way down to League One straight away and we've managed to avoid that. So now that we've got that stability, I think Les will probably have the chance to bring in some more of his own players in the summer. Do you fancy QPR to make a, make a challenge for promotion next season? Yeah, it was always going to be a difficult... You know, I mean, I spoke to Les and Chris in the summer and they asked me to come to QPR, uh, but I, I had commitments, obviously, with West Bromwich Albion. I wasn't able to do that, but I spoke to Les and Chris quite a bit and Chris had a difficult job on his hands and the club did in terms of, you know, um, things were changing, players were going... Um, you were changing things around from that point of view and it was always going to be a difficult um, season obviously Jimmy's come in I think you know half a season now I think he's had 23 games now um, which in many cases sometimes is fortunate for a manager because you can get to look at the club you can get to look at the players you can see what you've got and see what you might need and certainly after a slow start yeah, I think what's that 23 games I think Jimmy's won six but lost only six but 11 draws, you know, it's just a, a matter of changing them draws into wins and then, and then you're on the road again. And certainly the last six games, I think it is, it won three games. So it's a good little run now towards the end of the season. So that would be, if they can finish, you know, keeping that run going and the team getting a lot of confidence, then it's it's good. I'm sure he'll look to add to the, to the squad in the summer if he can. But if they can finish well, it, 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 it's good for confidence to start the season well next year because... The start of the season is really gives you that momentum, gives you an opportunity because the championship is such a long, hard grind, really, and uh, you've got to keep picking up points week in, week out. Yeah, I was going to just ask you, actually, whether um, end-of-season form really carries into the next season. We saw it last year with Leicester in the Premier League, but you, you do think that it's quite important to finish the season on the Well, high. it's certainly better than not and having a, than having a bad season. I mean, particularly if we're going to go with primarily the same sort of squad. It's always better. I mean, confidence is everything. You must see it all the time. You know, you can have some of the best players and the best team in the world sometimes. But if you're on a run of um, indifferent results, uh, you know, they just don't look like that same players. And on the other hand, you know, take Leicester, for example. You know, I mean, I was there playing against them last year when they were with seven games to go rock bottom, you know, and then they had a fantastic run. And um, if that run had been even now, they'd have won the league already. Um, they've been easily the most consistent side over 12 months, um, taking those last seven games from last year to this season. It just shows you what can happen. You know, what you can give players, players that couldn't score goals. I mean, I remember we went to um, Spon in January, they were third for bottom, and we didn't have a lot of pace in this. I remember having a list with Vardy on top of the list because he, he was actually out, out of the um, Leicester team and only scored one goal at that stage just shows you what a year can do and what confidence can do. You know, same with Les Ferdinand. He was always there but didn't play, went on loan, you know, Turkey, Brentford, whatever. You know, so I think confidence is everything and, and building confidence um, in a side is everything. So if you can finish um, as, a, as a squad of players really, really well, you're raring to go next year and it really helps the manager, I think. Jerry, we're going to take a couple of questions from uh, that we've been sent in on Twitter, if that's all right with you. Um, yeah. Tony Binks wants to know, why did you quit QPR to manage Spurs when you'd had so much success at Rangers and had helped to make us a real force in the top flight? Well, I don't think it's um, too much of a secret. I think that um, it's been sort of well documented that um, 
Um, we'd obviously sold quite a few players, and the one player I was told I didn't have to sell that year was Les Ferdinand because I felt it would have a real detrimental detrimental effect on the club, the team, and everything. And um, um, yeah, I was asked on several occasions to sell Les at that time, and um, um, I wouldn't do that. And uh, the next minute, I had Rodney Marsh coming in as director of football. Um, obviously behind my back. Um, so I wasn't really happy about that. Um, and again, I was asked to, to sell Les at the time, and I just felt it would be really detrimental at that time. So I wouldn't do that. So um, basically, I resigned um, over the situation with regards to Les Ferdinand. Um, unfortunately, um, what I'd said to the chairman and the board at the time turned out to be correct, that if you do, do sell Les, which they did a few months later, you know, it can end up or could end up being relegated. The club were relegated and didn't come back for 15 years. I think that's what I mean about planning and knowing what you're doing in the Premier League. I mean, Les was never going to stay at QPR forever. But I think there's a time and a place to do that. And um, I'm certainly one that always kept my word. And um, um, I think it's important if someone promises you something, they keep their word as well. Hmm. Uh, Jerry, you've had one thing I wanted to ask you. I think as a player and manager, you've had four different spells at QPR, if I'm right in saying. Do you think there's a fifth one in you? <laughs> well, who knows about the future? Yeah, I think it is four, yeah. Two as a player, two as a manager, yeah. I mean, uh, over 20 years, there's not too many people do that. My my two sons, uh, obviously, um, Adam was a professional at the club as well, and Jake was, uh, was the youth side. Um, so, um, no, I mean, you know... Um, my whole life evolved around QPR from one point to another over that 20-year span, and I was sort of proud to uh, obviously lead the team as captain to, you know, a great side at the time, runner-up um, in '76, and then lead the t- team as manager to their second highest position in the pr- in the Premier League, in fifth, you know, uh, in the early 90s. So, um, no, it's been um, who knows what the future holds. You know, I mean, one minute I've been at. Um, Stoke City and Crystal Palace and West Brom, you know, things change around in football so much so you don't know what you're doing from one day to the other sometimes. Uh, you mentioned 76 there. I wanted to ask you about that. It's obviously 40 years since um, that season. And later on in our podcast, we're actually we're announcing a special um, Stan Bowles commemorative T-shirt that's going to raise money for his collection. For, um, yeah. for those fans who didn't see him play... Um, what um, it described to us what sort of a player Stan Bowles was? Uh, well, it was a great side. You know, it wasn't just Stan. I mean, it was a fantastic side of, 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 of great players, really. You know, it's easy to run through that team. Phil Parks, you know, Dave Clement, Frank McIntock, Dave Webb, Ian Gillard. I think everybody was uh, international one sort or another, except for David Webb, who was a great player anyway. Don Masson, Dave Thomas, Don Gillen, Stan Bowles. Uh, Johnny Hollins, you know, and Mickey Leach, who who played a, a, a number of games. Um, but the best way for me to describe Stan, really, uh, because he always reminds me of him when he's playing, is Messi. Um, you know, different in some ways, obviously, but that, that was Stan, you know, uh, great balance. Uh, great football brain. Um, if you watch, if you watch Messi, you're you're watching, you know, Stan Bowles in many ways. And whenever I see him playing for Barcelona, you know, um, it brings back memories. Um, he he was an outstanding player, um, uh, you know, of of his age, and um, certainly really 
deserved uh, you know a few more England caps etc and it was a pleasure for me to play with him and uh, I um, we had this fantastic understanding um, which you know you probably don't get that often in in football but uh, from the first day I walked in the training ground from Carlisle we just seemed to hit it off and uh, it was a pleasure playing with him. Well there's no better tribute than being compared to Messi that's for sure. Uh, Jerry thank you very much for coming on your, your last question you're at West Brom at the moment how's Sandro getting on? Yeah, no, he played. A, we played well at Man City at the weekend. He played. He played. Um, you know, on Saturday, um, we were very unfortunate not to. Uh, well, deserved at least a point, really. Um, but uh, yeah, he's doing okay. I mean, I mean um, you know, it's a bit of a step up from not playing um, that much at QPR to start with, uh, coming into the Premier League. But he's obviously, you know, had a decent run of games at Tottenham um, a year or so ago, and. Um, He's, I think he's enjoying it, obviously, playing at that level. Um, do you think West Brom may be signing him in a, on a permanent transfer in the summer? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. I think, you know, I mean, obviously, loans to the end of the season and, um, you know, we'll have to see what's happening next year, really. We can all hope. Jerry, thank you very much for coming Pleasure. on. Always brilliant to speak to you and uh, please do come on again. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. All right, mate. Okay, how many of us had their fingers crossed around the table while we were talking about um, Sandro and whether they were going to keep him? Pretty much, yeah. I know I did. Um, okay, right, we, we, we've got quite far through the podcast already and we, we um, need to start wrapping up. The one thing I wanted to mention, talk about, I guess, was the, the last week or so there's been a lot of talk about the crest. The badge. There's, they are the club are getting rid of um, the existing badge and replacing it, and as a result, obviously trying to shift a fair bit of merchandise. I know there's quite a lot of offers on at the club, and everyone got a flag on Saturday. Um, anybody here sorry to see that badge go? My son is six years old, and he was actually devastated when I told him it was changing. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, because he yeah. knows nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's what you know, isn't it? If I was to ask you what your favourite badge is, it's probably the one that you grew up with. So I know yeah, Finney absolutely. likes that sort of more traditional badge. Mine would yeah, be the circular Q. Yeah, mine would be the circular Q with the little P in it and the little R in it. So maybe there's nothing wrong with that badge. It's just, you know, if you've grown up with it, you've grown up with it and you like it. Well, uh, I think it's a little bit more than that. And I'm not usually very sentimental for things like this, but I think... Uh, it represents a, a pretty unusual and bleak period in our history um, where a lot of bad mistakes have been made um, and caused a lot of problem that we're still trying to clean up. Um, I think it's a good fresh start for us. Yeah. Uh, when I saw some of the um, the mock-up ones, I immediately felt whether it was the um, the one that I grew up with or the one that looked like the one that came before that, it just felt like home. And uh, I want to see QPR come back home. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this one that's going to uh, go be scrapped in the summer. Uh, it just I just associate it with Briatore because yeah. he was he was in charge when they decided to change it, and they just changed it. Whereas this one, I'm not sure we'll associate it with the current owners because they've given the fans a choice. It's been a consultative yeah, process, exactly. And you have to take your hat, hat off to them for that. I mean, they've done a really good job of getting a number of different people involved um, from right across the supporter base to those yeah. people who are more vocal than others and, and giving other people just in and around the ground um, a chance to have their say, which I think is important. So th- there's this unveil of the badge on the 6th of May. Uh, am I imagining it or have we all seen it? 
Kind of. We've all seen it, right? Yeah, I think there's a, like a, a finalised version that yeah. they're doing. Yeah, they said um, they'd make a few final touches to the okay. number two. But we all know what it what it is. Yeah. yeah. There'll be uproar. So it's basically <laughs> a slightly photoshopped and manipulated version of the number or whatever the badge or is it <laughs> <coughs> okay right let's move on to the r's end which is the last bit of the podcast and anything we haven't mentioned need to mention all the rest of it neil how far down your list have you got i'm done I oh, don't have, I oh don't you have need to do something else um i'm just gonna cough so richard before i cough um we i mentioned we've got the partnership with art of football on for the stand bowls t-shirt let me cough whilst you tell us about it our friends, at, yes. <laughs> our friends at Art of Football um, have um, worked with us to commission a special Stan Bowles um, T-shirt, which um, we will be selling on our website, along with the tickets for the live pod, which is on the 5th of May. Which you haven't mentioned it. I will. That's my R's end. Um, so if you go to our website... Um, qprpod.co.uk you can buy um, tickets for the pod but you can also buy a bundle of the ticket plus the shirt so the shirt uh, recommended retail price is £22 it'll be 10% discount plus the ticket so the ticket is £10 total of £29.80 yeah that's right. Okay, get all that. So £5 from the T-shirt is going towards oh, yeah. the collection fund for Stan Bowles, uh, which is, I think, 50% of it goes towards his care, 50% of it goes to Alzheimer's. It's a specially designed T-shirt with Art of Football. For more information, go on to our website, qprpod.co.uk. You said yeah. it much better than me. And for the, when Richard says we, Richard does all the website stuff for the podcast, for anybody that doesn't know. Right, Chris. Um, a couple of things. The first one is that we're playing Cardiff next, so... I really hope we beat them because they're one of my most hated clubs. Just growing up, one of my worst days. Yeah, going I agree. to the Millennium Stadium. Yeah, no need to talk about it anymore. So that'd be great. Um, firstly, because it's Cardiff, and secondly, because um, it would almost end their hopes of making the playoffs, which they deserve from us. And secondly, I just wanted to big up Ali Fallin for his boxing skills. <laughs> no, he, he posted some photos from the Joshua fight, and and then he posted some uh, a video of him boxing and training today, mm. which was a uh, yeah, he's not bad. You know, not bad. All round, great guy, boxer, fan of the podcast, musician, musician, dad, chef, chef, <laughs> boxer. Um, Neil, I'll let you have the final word. I'm just going to continue on from Richard's point, which is talking about our live podcast. Um, you probably know by now, but I'm going to emphasise it anyway. We have on the fifth of May at the Good Ship in Kilburn a live podcast. This is the fourth or fifth one that we've done. Last year was brilliant success with Neil Warnock. For those of you who came this year, we have two Lees, two Lees in a pod. We have that's from eight-year-old George Sharp, I think his last name is, who sent us in that. So thanks, George. Two Lees in a pod. We have Lee Cook. Uh, fans favourite uh, that's going to be in the second half of the podcast on the night and in the first half we are very grateful that we have Lee Hoos the chief executive of QPR so cook who's talking is the other way <laughs> to put it um, you can get your ticket on our website there are tenor qprpod.co.uk Neil uh, I just want to finish on talking a bit about Les Ferdinand's role at the club um, I think he's done a really good job this season under difficult circumstances. I think had it been Ramsey or Hasselbank for the whole season, we'd probably be finishing around the same place. 
So in the end, we've we've had a pretty sensible and steady season. Um, there are people out there who think Ferdinand's picking the team and this, that, and the other, but I don't think it's anything to do with that. And I don't. Uh, I'd like to think people give him the time to do his job well. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who um, said the most impressive thing about him probably this season is actually not the players we have signed, it's the players we haven't signed. It's the deals QPR haven't done That they've as pulled, wildly. pulled back from, whereas they may exactly. not have done previously. And that's going to put us in a good position to move forward, and long may that continue. You know, there's going to be rough rides and difficult decisions to make, but that's just normal, that's part of the course of, of the role. And he's still new to the role. And I just wish him the best of luck. And I'm really looking forward to next season. And it's been a long, long time since, since I've said, said that. that. And you have to say the decision to sell Charlie Austin, looking at it now, was the right one. Because mm-hmm. we've got four million, which wasn't a lot. But he he'd have left much. on a free in the summer. And now we've got four million to spend on someone or some people in the summer, which we wouldn't have had if we kept him. Okay, good place to end. Um, Thank you very much. Thanks to Joe Francis for joining us. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week. The world's most popular QPR podcast, that's us, will be holding its traditional end-of-season party in front of a live audience on May the 5th at the good ship Kilburn. The first two names confirmed are fans' favourite Lee Cook and QPR CEO Lee Who's, meaning we can amuse ourselves by calling the evening Cook Who's Talking. Please join us. Tickets are a tenner and can be purchased via qprpod.co.uk. QPR, QPR, Rangers.